You're listening to The Owen 60. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Owen 60 Pod for all the latest news from around the OHL. And now here are your hosts, Reese Dumaney and Colin Ward. Right back down into Barry territory. Five seconds remaining before we go to overtime. Broadhurst blocks one. Out front. Off the skate. In the net. In the net. In the net. In the net. The London Knights have put the puck in the net. Point one seconds left. The London Knights put the puck in the net. Bo Horvat may have scored what is going to be an OHL championship winning goal. They're reviewing the goal now. Scott Harrington with his hand over his mouth. They're reviewing. They're checking. The puck definitely went into the net. Wow. This is a long review with an OHL championship at stake. Point one seconds to go. Here comes the call. The referee's conversing. The helmet is going on. The ruling is a goal! The London Knights are going to win the OHL championship. We're going streaky! Fourth week in a row. Going streaky. With a guest. Each week we got. Start the streak. Yep, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Although this week it is not a player. Yeah, but I feel like this week's going to be very informative. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It'll be like our draft show. We'll just learn a lot about the league. Yeah, this is about learning the league. Yeah. It's going to be a fun week. Yeah, for anyone that was trying to guess who our guest is, no, it's not Bo Horvat who scored the overtime winner in uh, that game. Nope. It's not the goalie for Barry. <laughs> Who is the goalie for Barry that year? Blackwood. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, Brian Little? Nope. No, that was Shifley. Shifley? That was Shifley. They were both there, weren't No, that was Shifley. Athanasiu was there because Athanasiu got traded that year, I think, the summer. He got drafted as a London Knight. And they yeah. To Barry to play closer to home. And then, yeah, he was on that team. Still a stacked Barry team, even though yeah, they, they lost. Good. Yeah, they were good. They get, I mean, they pushed them to game seven. Tenths of a second to go in game seven. Yeah. And they tied it up. They tied it up with like two minutes to go. Mm-hmm. That's a crazy part. I know. Two minutes to go, and then like. Then you get scored yeah, on, and you're like, oh, man. Nine seconds later. They didn't put that uh, 0.1 second on the clock, did they? I, no, I think they just called it. Yeah. Because that would be tough. Yeah, it would be. And like. London already celebrated. Like, the guys left the bench yourself. Yeah, all their helmets and gloves and it's sticks over. were everywhere. Yeah. It's over. Yeah. yeah. That's um, Bo Horvath's biggest goal of his career. Think so? Yeah, for sure. Oh, winning the OHL title in game seven, point tenths of a second. Yeah, but there's got to be a big NHL goal he's had. Yeah, but Vancouver hasn't been good. I guess. And this year. Uh, isn't he the captain? Yeah. I thought so. That's a big moment. That's probably his biggest moment. Yeah, I guarantee it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can say playing at the World Juniors too is a big moment. Yeah, I don't know. I'd put I'd put the OHL goal, OHL championship goal over that. Yeah, for sure. to be honest. Um, but anyways, our guest is none other than London Knights play-by-play man Mike Stubbs. Fun one. Yeah, it will be history lesson on the London Knights. He's been with them for nineteen seat, nineteen eighteen and three quarter seasons because this season did not yeah, finish. So but next year will be. Yeah, next year will be 20, so he's uh, hitting a big milestone, and uh, everyone knows his name, even if you've never met him, 
And you're an OHL you're fan. Voice. Yep. Any arena you go into. Especially always, Erie. Yeah, any small arena. Yeah. Any small arena, you always know who Mike Stubbs is. Mm-hmm. Because, one, right, after, right before the anthem, when he, split, when he goes to commercial, there's always that dead air, like that dead air in the arena. Yeah. All you hear is Mike Stubbs saying, we'll be back with... Holy golly, London Ice Hockey. <laughs> on AM 980. Yeah, that's, that's what you That's hear. trademarked. Yeah, oh, for sure. It's trademarked Mike Stubbs. Yeah, that's unreal. It's awesome. London has the best sponsorship names. Holy golly, it's great. Yeah. Bond. Like be- Bond you're just talking like best golly. names, not best lines. Well, like sponsor line. Names and lines. Okay. lines, they say are pretty good. I was going to say, because I, I could recite uh, all the Ice Dog sponsors really? <laughs> from two years ago. I could recite all of them. The title sponsor, George's Greek Village. Yeah, they have great food, by the way. If you live in Niagara, go eat there because it's so, well, order takeout. It's the CHL in general, then, with great names. I feel like you have to have good enough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you do. It's your hockey thing to do. For sure. And then then there's Owen Sound where they have like 50. (laughs) Holy crap. Just get the phone book out, my goalie pad. Oh, it's huge. Holy crap. The amount of stuff that they. uh, well, the amount of sponsors they sell um, yeah, is pretty insane. Yeah, that's solid for them because they're like one of the smallest markets in the league. I'd put them as the smallest, yeah, to be honest, them. unless Chatham gets a team. Yeah, that's probably the best part, though, though, on Sound. I love that. Yeah, market. I know. Yeah, the Bay Shore. Bay we'll have to Shore. make it there one day. I have a puck, but I've never been there. Oh, that's so, uh, so if you collect pucks at every game you go to, does that count? Does that hmm. count? I don't think it does. Well, no. I couldn't make that. I would have gone on that trip, but I couldn't make it. It was my last year at the Ice Dogs, and it was a Wednesday, and I'd class. Last year? Yeah. Uh, yeah. In 19, 2019. Yes, yeah, so last year. Yeah, it was like February, I think. January oh, or February. I can't year. quite remember when That's the game was. Snow. Yeah. If it's snowing, yeah. turn around. Don't well, plus Thursday mornings, I had classes at... Actually, no. I would have been on internship. That's why I couldn't go, because I had to be in... Uh, yeah, I had to be here at the studio for 5 a.m., so yeah. <laughs> no, thanks. I'm good. But uh, Ted Lehman brought me back a puck, so that was clutch. Got it for free. Wait, hit up the equipment, guys. You can yeah. get them for free. I got my one in yeah. North Bay for free, too. Yeah, that's where you got to go. Yeah, the equipment guys are clutch when it comes to that because it's a puck, right? They sell it for, what, five bucks? Yeah, thanks for Like, whatever. It's not that big a deal. Um, but anyways, yeah, so uh, Mike Stubbs joining us. We got our traffic reports as well. Um, All day today. Yeah, we got some good news coming out of Chicago having to do with the Niagara Ice Dogs. Yeah, we got a little bit of debate going on with the yeah. European. Yeah, European hockey, yep. Um, so, yeah, jam-packed show. For the first time in two weeks, we might go over an hour, so we'll see how she goes. But uh, first off, uh, Colin, very positive traffic report for you. Yeah, nine today. Yeah, that's, that's insane. I started at an eight, and then it either go. Up or down? I don't start at 10 because that's unreasonable. You can't go up. So you start at 8. I guess. But you could stay we there. Got up the one. We got up the 1. Yep. I'm not saying, because I don't think any drive is perfect. Any drive. Eh, I mean. But th- today was the first time I never hit one red light on the way here. Lucky. That's a record. Must be nice. There's only one in Bella. Oh, true. I hit them in Brantford. But after I left Brantford, I didn't hit one. Eight lights I got to go through? To get here? Wait. Jeez, that was quick. Mm-hmm. Have you been studying? I wow. Been Jeez. Yes, no, six. <laughs> Colin's six. counting I'm in his head. Yeah, I'm counting the turns. <laughs> yeah, six. And never hit one. That's a solid day. 
Yeah, I'm gonna count mine. You got me intrigued. So yeah, one, two, on the way here, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Oh yeah. Yeah, I am. I know, eh? Uh, ten. Although that one doesn't really turn red. So does it count as a light? There's one that leads into, like, there's an old, there was an old Canadian tire that got torn down. So it's just an empty parking lot. And that light never changes. So do you really count that? Is it, do you have to stop? No, because it, like, your way never changes red. Because you can't turn in there anymore. There's cinder blocks blocking oh, off that driveway. No, I wouldn't count. Okay, so still at 10. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 11, 12, 13. 14. So if you hit every line, You know what? I'm going to say 20 wow. between here so and Brantford. 20 hit, to 25. If you hit every single light. Yeah. You're in, like, that's a long drive. I, I hit every single light. hitting my territory. Yeah. You got to be close to at least 50 minutes. Two minutes at each light? No, that, that's the thing. Brantford traffic lights, the most I hit going through... It's just like side streets that they're with, so the lights may be red for thirty seconds oh, to let okay. one car go through. Okay, yeah, so that's yeah. good. So oh. it usually takes you. Oh, my mom just texted me. We're having lobster for dinner. <laughs> oh, Not the show. Not the let's go. Hopefully, there's steak too. Nice surf and turf. <laughs> Woo! Let's go. Okay. <laughs> the segment where we text our moms for supper. Yep. Twitter poll this week. Get on the phone. Phone call. Yo, it should be like, when was the last time you had lobster for dinner? <laughs> be like, less than a month, month to three months, three months to six months, six months to a year or more. All right. That'll be our first poll question of the week. Did we have any from last week, by the way? Uh, I forget. Oh, okay. No, we do. I think um, we did. Yeah. But, um, I hit all the traffic lights though going to play golf this morning. That was the only thing. Yeah, that's solid. That was rough. Yeah, I'm kind of jealous you got out there there. Yeah, if anyone hasn't been to Mystic Golf Club out in uh, sponsorship. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know Golf North. I've worked for them. They don't like to spend too much money. Um, oh, it's change. not a it's not a chirp. It's just yeah, fact. That might yeah, that might change. Um, but yeah, hit up Mystic. It's between Jerseyville and Ancaster. It's right on Jerseyville Road. Four of us played today, which I was shocked by. Me, my buddy, and just two guys that got grouped with us. I'm like, because I'm like, okay, social distancing, there'll just be two of us, but put four together just with a separate cart. I feel like they're doing that a lot. Yeah, but that kind of defeats the purpose of social distancing, to be honest. Like, me and my buddy don't live together, but. Yeah, it does. And you guys are in separate carts, right? Yeah, all four of us had carts. Yeah, so I mean. That's, that's. Yeah. I mean, we tried to say we were roommates. Anyways, uh, yeah, so check out Mystic. It's fun. We did 18 holes in three and a half hours. First round of the year, 70, par 73, and I am no Woods or Brooks Kepka or Rory McIlroy. We're going to have to do a match. Yeah. Any the 0-60 Golf Classic. Any other podcast that want to challenge us to a match, we'll meet up halfway. Let's go. Yep, I'm down. Yep, let's do it. Um, also, uh, I'm going through social media. We have no uh, Twitter poll. But, oh, jeez. Uh, congrats to uh, Brett Rochu, last week's guest on uh, yeah. being the goaltender for the all for the first all-rookie team. Yep. So congrats, Brett, for that. Shout out to him. Yep. That was it for Twitter for us. So we didn't have any polls. We just said that. Although, 
something that made me a little angry, and I know we're going to run out of time in this segment pretty quickly, but because we have to get to uh, our guest, Mike Stubbs, but uh, I'd just like to uh, rant a little bit because I saw something on Instagram, and you know how the, all these like people just post like graphics of NHL stats or whatever, mm-hmm. and like so this one guy was predicting goaltenders of every NHL team in the next five years. So I'm going through. Don't bug me with Detroit. To be honest, I forget what he put for Detroit. It wasn't anyone in their system. What? Yeah, I know. Patrick Zelly had a good year. Larson. Wasn't him. Nope. All right, let me know who this guy is off there. Okay. Um, anyways, so I get to Minnesota, and I'm like, all right, this is obvious. Hunter Jones. No, he didn't have Hunter Jones. He had no. Nico Dawes. Wow. Why would Minnesota why? take Nico Dawes? Why? Yeah, why? Okay. I commented that. I'm like, this is wrong. Hunter Jones is the future goaltender yeah, of the Minnesota he Wild. He should have been on the Nice top. try, though. He should have been on the all-star teams there. The three teams that they do, the OHL. Yeah. Two Who were the goalies? Ingham, I think. Ingham. Andre. Andre Dodd. Yeah. But I feel like he should have been on there. Hunter Jones. There's two snubs to me that should have been on there. And I don't know about you, but Phil Tomasino. Is yeah, what the heck is that? Uh, he's probably the he's best player in our league. And that's said by players. That Phil Tomasino is the hardest player to play against in the league. Mm-hmm. So Tomasino for me should have been on there. And Guy gets five also, points in his first game with his new team. Yeah. Like those two to me are guys that should have been on there. He probably, if you look back at the trades, that's probably a record for most picks traded. Think about it. You think about the Thomas deal to Hamilton. Uh, I'd say it's tied with Robertson and Paquette deal. Yeah, Kingston one's... Niagara last year. They both sent. Niagara sent nine picks to Kingston, then Niagara got nine back from Oshawa. Yeah. yeah. So you think about that, the value of a player. He had the most value at the deadline because one, he's a probably, he has the eligibility to return. I don't think he's going to. Another two years. I think, I think he's making the Preds next year whenever mm-hmm. this starts. I think he makes Nashville. So do I. I think he's too good not to be. When you look at Nashville starting six, you can see him being their fourth guy by the end of the season. And they're not gonna call. They're not gonna pick him to be the guy, like to not play, right? That's my yeah. pet peeve with guys. When uh, he'll be at least third line, Nashville, at least. Yeah. No way he plays on the fourth. I think he's better than some of their prospects right yeah, now. Yeah, here is their line combination as March tenth of twenty twenty. So this was the lines for the game March twelfth at Toronto this year before the season got canceled. Did they play this game? No. No. Mr. March twelfth. Uh, Philip Forsberg on the wing, Matthew Shane at center, Mikel Granlin right wing. That that's won't solid. change. Yeah, yep. that's solid. Yep. Then you go to the second line, and this is where I think Phil sets in perfectly on the wing. You got Cali Arncroke, who you could possibly put. Yeah. Tomasino. I don't mind him. Yeah, but you Tomasino, works hard. Yeah, but Tomasino's a more skilled player. Yeah, that's yeah, better yeah. hands. Yeah, Ryan Johansson. At center, that's not he's, changing. He stays. He's going to play center. And when you bring Tomasino up, you probably want him to play the wing anyways to get it developed. The wings did that with Larkin. That's where the AHL comes into effect. Yeah. If he can go there, he'll play center every game. And then, to me, right here is where he slides in perfectly. That sixth spot on the wing, Colton Sissons. I think you put Tomasino in that spot. And you have Tomasino, Johansson, Yarncroke, Granlin, Duchesne, Forsberg. What sounds better? Duchesne, Forsberg, Granlin, Yarncroke, Johansson, Sissons? Sissons, whatever. And then you Colton Sissons. Then you have I think. Tom or yeah, Sissons. Yeah. Then you have Thomasino, Johansson, Yarncroke, Forsberg, Duchesne, Granlin. I like that. 
I like Tomasino better. Yeah. To me, when you read that out, yeah, Sizen slides Thomasino down. Tomasino makes the National Predators this year or the next camp. Mm-hmm. Twitter pick. No? Yeah, maybe. Should have been a Twitter poll uh, when we had him on. Yeah, well, oh, well. I think that's the biggest snub, though, out of the adult thing. The yeah, the all, uh, all-star all rosters, yeah. I think for sure Phil Tomasino should have been on there. That's just my opinion. It's a good opinion. He's it's one, true. It should have been. Yep. Like, I don't disagree. Top like, five. I like all the players, but I just think Tomasino could have been over. Could have been at least second by, all-star, he too. He could have been picked over Byfield on that third lineup. Byfield was the third... He was the center, right, on the third team. Yeah. Where you could have put Phil Tomasino in that spot, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And I don't, like, I feel like there's going to be some arguments here on Twitter. I'm going to get some uh, tweets. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. Can, like, the thing with Byfield is the time he missed. Like, he didn't have the stats that everyone thought he would. Obviously, the season didn't finish. But, um, you know, it didn't help with the injury that he had. But, um Anyways, uh, that's just that's up for debate. He's ranked fourth now by a couple sources going into the NHL draft. Yeah, and you you said off air that uh, you'd pick a defenseman over him. I think Drysdale's value yeah. for your team's huge right now because when you look at the defense, you look at guys after like you got the top four right now. In your opinion, you have Lafreniere, Stutzel, Byfield. And then you get a Rossi or Drysdale. Was it Raymond ranked ahead of Byfield now? Lucas Raymond? It might have been. I don't pay attention to the non-credibility. Uh, uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Ones. NHL Central Scouting where it's at. Yeah, for sure. Those are incredible people. Yep. So, I uh, I mean, I think Drysdale's value because when you look behind Byfield getting picked at anywhere in the top four, when you look behind there, you still got Rossi. You got Raymond, you got Holtz, you got Perfetti, you have good players there. Yep. But after, after Drysdale, where do you go on defense? You're going to see some off-the-board picks, right? Uh, Sanderson, Jake Sanderson. He's a defenseman playing uh, for the U.S. National Development Team. How far would you take him, though? Where would you project him to go? Right now, Central Scouting has him between, I, I think he's 10 on Central Scouting, so, so a, 10 so to 15. If Drysdale goes 3... What defenseman do you take from four to ten? Yeah, right. That's it. So I feel like that valid that pick for Drysdale. I feel like he could go in the top four mm-hmm. just because you got. If you need defense, you're gonna have to take him because you're gonna go off the board. Yep. Which Sanderson's a great player, but you could get a better forward up front. Well, and we had that discussion last week, right, about what Ottawa would do. They taken a forward and a defenseman. Yeah. Buffalo too, like yeah. We talked more about Rossi than Buffalo. Yeah, that'd be a perfect fit. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because Middlestat got rushed. He had a decent year for Rochester. Yep. But now, you, I like him coming to Buffalo because Middlestat can be the third guy in the line. He doesn't have to drive a line. He just has to go out there and do his thing. Yep. And that's not a bad thing. That's not saying Middlestat's not a good player because Middlestat's an elite prospect. He's a good. T- He's a good prospect. Maybe not elite. He's a good prospect. He's yeah. efficient. So I he could like, potentially yeah. make a difference. But this helps him get his feet wet at the next level. Mm-hmm. Before, Buffalo hasn't been any good. Let's be honest. Buffalo sucks. Pretty bad, they're yeah. Sucked. I agree. So, yep. like, and we suck. Detroit sucks. They're pretty bad, too. Yeah. Yep. So, I'm just saying. <laughs> Yesterday, got, or last week, got me fired up. Well, you wrote, fired up too. you wrote down, we talked about it after the yeah. show, their projections about what, how, my, how many goals each 
No, points. How many points each of the top two lines for Buffalo? If it was that way, if they had Middlestat and Rossi on a line, how many points each line would have to get? What we said, the top line would have to be around 250 to 270 because that's around 90 points a player. We had 270 points for Reinhardt, Eichel, Skinner combined. That's That's 90 a player, average. Obviously, Eichel will probably get more than those two, but... Then Skinner, two on that, then... Reinhardt will finish yep. shortly behind Skinner. Yep. Not not too far off him though. And then the second line we had Middlestat, Cousins, and Rossi. Mm-hmm. Two hundred and ten combined points. That's yeah, which bad. is seventy. Yeah. Seventy points a season, solid. You can't like it's hard. How many eighty point guys now? It is hard to get eighty to hundred points. Not a lot, but not 90, a little. Ninety to hundred point guys are elite players. Eighty to hundred. Now they are. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's not like before when you'd have about 10 guys get almost 100 points. Yeah. Now you get one or two a year. Maybe more. Maybe more. Than yeah. That. No, I'll, no, I agree with that. It, it, it's games, weird because. Got it there. Yeah, it's weird because you have less guys getting 100 points, but it seems like more teams are getting 100 points yeah. a season. I don't know. Yeah, true. You know, it's, it's just the way it is right now. Yeah, for sure. But um, anyways, that's a discussion we had last week, and we're not going to get too into it because... Time for a break. When we come back, we are joined by the voice of the London Knights, Mike Stubbs, as he will enter his 20th season on the call for the Knights whenever the 2020-2021 season will begin. So we will chat with him next. Of course, our name bracket round two is over. So we'll tee you up for round three into the Conference semifinals as three players remain from each side to get by. So we'll tell you who is on to the conference finals and who has to face off uh, to make it to the conference finals. All that and more coming up next on the Owen 60 podcast. This is the Owen 60. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Owen 60 pod for all the latest updates and news from around the OHL. Welcome back to the Owen 60 podcast along with Colin Ward. I'm Reese Dumaney and we are joined for the fourth week by a third voice on the podcast. Mike Stubbs joins us, the voice of the London Knights. Mike, thanks so much for doing this. Hey, great to be here. So how are you adjusting to life at home? I know you're doing London live from home now. How's that going? (laughs) Well, I don't usually do a talk show on a couch, so that's been a little (laughs) bit different. And I got to say, it's it's comfortable. We've got a, a great studio chair in the Chorus Radio <laughs> London studios. But you know, this this uh, it's been it's been a little different. Um, we rely a lot on Slack. We rely a lot on different meetings that we have throughout the day for stories. But we're getting through. I mean, it's uh, it's one of those things where you have to feel for everybody who has lost their job or has some uncertainty in their life. So we're kind of monitoring all of those situations and trying to keep people as up to date as possible on what's happening in the fight against COVID-19. All right. The first question we got for you, it's a big one. Videoing the games. We find that was very intriguing. Like, I think it's a great idea. Where did you get that idea to video the games and like for your social media? Uh, You know what? I I really don't even know where I kind of started it. Uh, I was on Instagram at one point, and I was taking a picture, and I thought, I wonder if I could just video this. 
And so I held down my thumb for 15 seconds. And sometimes you catch everything. Sometimes it'll cut off right before something good happens. Yeah. And there are, there are games. I'll kind of start a game and, and I'll film a little bit. And if I'm out of sync, then I'll stop filming for a while. And so it's, it's kind of hit and miss right now. But you're always looking for those extra things that you can do that can help listeners or viewers or in this case Knights fans to follow the team and if you can add a little picture to the words I mean we're very visual these days it can help out so it's something I tried and uh, yeah we'll we'll see how I can hone it going forward but right now it's kind of hit and miss. Is that kind of where the idea of also doing those um, I guess little game cue ups beforehand uh, with uh, Jim Van Horn. Yeah, similar thing where you're just kind of looking to add something for fans, and if we can sum up a story or give a little piece of information that you might not have as you sit down waiting for the game to start, that's kind of what we're aiming to do, and it's uh, it's something that it just it helps because fans can respond to you, they can ask you questions during the game, and everything's become so much more interactive, which is fantastic. I mean, the more interactive, the better. Also, how hard is it to video the game while you're commentating? Because the game's so fast now, and I mean, you got to have a good eye on the players, right, for numbers, especially when you're up top, kind of looking down. How hard is it to video while doing the play-by-play? I I don't know. I mean, it's something that, Natural. I gave it a shot, and it seemed to work out okay. Yeah, natural. As long as I'm not missing any calls or messing up any calls, I think I'll keep trying to do it. So, yeah, I think it's great. Yeah, it, I don't know if it's too, too hard. It's it's just one of those things where you uh, you kind of keep your eye on, on the game. There are different places where it's easier to do it from. We're pretty lucky in the way that the vantage point works where we are at Budweiser Garden. Yeah, that's great. So there's just a, a couple little tilts of the wrist, and you can – take in most of the ice surfaces if you're down closer it can be a, a little tougher filming at Owen Sound I remember I got on the bus heading back home after a game and some guy had ripped me on Twitter for my videoing saying it's uh, it's up and down and and uh, what are you a grandfather I don't know <laughs> just so close on. to the ice yeah and and you know what it's not very smooth and and I'll give him that much so there are places where it's easy to do it, and there are other places where it's a little bit more challenging. With Mike Stubbs, the voice of the London Knights. Mike, what made you want to go into the field of broadcasting? Because there's a lot of people that are obviously in the industry, and they have all kinds of different stories. So what made you want to get into the field? I can't even remember a day when I consciously decided this is what I wanted to do. It's just always been what I wanted to do. There's a story where I was about five years old and we were living in Hawkesbury, Ontario at the time I was born in London, but my dad worked with the government. So we kind of lived on either side of Ottawa and their family and my family was based in Tilsonburg. And so we were driving home one, I guess it would be Boxing Day or December 27th after Christmas and I was about five years old, had a whole collection of Star Wars toys in the trunk and a couple in the back seat, but I had this poster that my Aunt Gail had bought for me. And it was a poster from the Opeachy factory in London. And people can remember driving down the road and smelling whenever they put together the gum. It always made a pretty unique smell in London, Ontario. 
And this poster was in the backseat with me. I couldn't wait to get home, and I can't explain why, but I wanted to go and cut it to pieces so that I could cut out these hockey cards and I could play a game on the kitchen table and commentate it. And so I have no idea where that came from. I have no idea why that was something I wanted to do. I don't think I was making too many conscious choices at the age of five, but (laughs) that's what I wanted to do. And I did that for a little while until I'd marked up the table enough. And from there, I moved on to recording games on the VCR and calling them that way. And I've always just wanted to do it. And you name it. I mean, I will, I will do, I love every part of broadcasting I've been able to do and I've been lucky enough to do a, a number of different jobs, but as long as play-by-play is included, you've got my full attention. I'll do anything else. Just <laughs> let me do play-by-play. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, congratulations, anyways. You're going into your 20th season with the London Knights. Congrats on that. Um, the, obviously, the London Knights have had a lot of talent, like go to the NHL. In your opinion, who has been the best player you've been able to broadcast? Wow. Uh, I know it's so t- many for so many different reasons. Yeah. I mean, you wind up watching hockey differently for the success that Mark and Dale Hunter have been able to create, where mm-hmm. if you were a fan of a team, if you followed the Knights, it's difficult to do that because there's so many guys in the NHL or now in U sports or whatever. So it's whatever game you happen to be tuning into, chances are there's somebody you know in that game and, and you want to see them do well and you wind up rooting more for players than you do teams anymore. It's It's been fun, but I mean, you can go back to different guys who, you know, Aaron Molnar, the, the very first year that Mark and Dale Hunter owned the team, he played all 68 games. And then all of a sudden you were into Corey Perry and the climb that the Knights went on. And after that, you know, you bring in guys like John Tavares by way of trade. He was just special to watch. And then Max yeah. Domi and Bo Horvat. There's just this ongoing stream. The 2016 team had Matthew and Mitch Marner and Christian Dvorak. But the other personalities maybe that you didn't necessarily see scoring all the goals or making all the big plays or becoming a first-round pick. There are so many of those guys that were just a lot of fun to be around. And it's uh, a trait that the Hunters have gone after for a long time, and every other team kind of goes after it as well, and it's character. And they seem to find guys of great character. So you're never at a loss for, for people to to watch, to, to learn from, even it's strange to say, you know, you you learn things watching what certain teenagers do, but Matthew Kachuk was a guy who his leadership was just there. Yeah. And it just just incredible. But I don't think I could pick one. I don't think I could pick 40. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I think it was two years ago now when uh, Columbus and uh, Toronto had a game. And I remember it was Marner, Tavares, Kadri versus Sonny Milano, who the Knights had their rights for, Zach Wierenski, another one? Yeah, they had the rights to him. And then Josh Anderson. There was like three or four of them. I thought that was pretty Steve cool. Steve Mason? Uh, no, no, a couple Mason years ago. There. That's too late, yeah. There's a couple that I forget who the other one was. I'll have to look that up. I believe it was you or Jim Van Horn that tweeted that the Toronto uh, Columbus game. That was pretty cool. I'll talk about alumni. Yeah, I think we got up to about eight, but two of them were yeah. the kind of guys the Knights had the rights to: Sonny Milano and and uh, and Zach Wierenski. But the other guys, yeah, they played in the Knights uniform. It's pretty remarkable to see yeah. it happen. Yeah, it is the Red Deer Memorial Cup, calling Matthew Tachuk's OT winning goal. 
what was that like? Was that a reaction? Like, or did you have that plan? Like, if, if we like, you always hear if they score an OT goal, if they hit a walk off home run, this is the line. Or was it just a reaction? <laughs> no, that's that's just a reaction. I mean, yeah. sometimes you might think of things that you could say, but when it gets into overtime, like that, the yeah. Knights have had a game where overtime in the Memorial Cup final didn't go their way. At the yeah. game when it did, and so yeah, you you just want to keep that one natural and. In that one, you know, when I listen back to it, you think, I could have done that a whole lot better. I mean, the the raw emotion is there, but the way Kachuk pulled the puck into his body, it was so sneaky, and his release was so sneaky, kind of caught me off guard that all of a sudden it was over. Uh, The (laughs) the greatest part about that is Jim Van Horn, who was standing beside me at the time, was able to get a picture of the puck actually, not even on the ice, but in the net. That's cool. Up in the netting. Wow. And he did that as it was happening. And, yeah, that that whole experience was incredible. Yeah. Of all the Memorial Cups that the Knights have had, the first one was certainly special. That one, there was just something about that team. And I can go back to Matthew Kachuk and Mitch Marner and Christian Dvorak and, and that leadership. And, and just they were there on a mission. And and they were going to get that done no matter what. And to see them actually pull that off, the players and the coaching staff might describe it as a relief. It was amazing to watch. With Mike Stubbs, the voice of the Knights. Uh, Mike, I'll go back to uh, something you said a couple of minutes ago about uh, players learning and, um, you know, as they grow and all these veteran guys. Uh, one thing that uh, I heard when I was uh, interning with the Niagara Ice Dogs is that everyone that works around the players keeps getting older, whereas the players stay the same yeah, age. There's no 99s so, anymore. Yeah, exactly. Um, so this is what, leading in, into my question. Uh, how much do you learn from all these guys that keep coming around every single year? You know, there's a couple things that you could pass on from previous players that uh, have told you stories and uh, um, given you a little advice uh, if you've asked for it. But uh, how much uh, do they actually teach you something uh, every year? Well, you learn in the way that guys prepare, and that aspect of it has changed so much you learn in in the professionalism that players carry themselves with now they're not just coming in as hockey players and that's it i mean these guys come in as professionals uh they certainly learn that aspect by being in the london knights dressing room and really by being in any ohl dressing room major junior is a great stepping stone not just to professional hockey but to anything to be able to play at the level that they're at to be, you know, in a spotlight in front of as many fans as they are in front of. You just watch the way people handle things. And, yeah, it doesn't matter whether somebody is six years old or 96 years old. I'm always of the belief they can teach you something. So in this case, yeah, you you really do see a lot more in the preparation these days and a lot more in the professionalism. So you hear about... From the NHL level, how the game has gotten faster, it's gotten better, more skilled. How much has the game of the OHL evolved over the years? Do you think like how well, much? It has, yeah, it's it's become about speed uh, and IQ. If you have yeah. those two traits, you've got a lot going for you. Whereas if you go back into the late '80s, early '90s, mid '90s, even to some extent the late '90s, you had to have some real muscle on your team. And if you didn't have that, other teams were going to walk all over you. And that aspect has really changed. And the idea that the OHL has really led the way in terms of not just 
hits to the head, but in terms of fighting majors and now having a quota for how many fighting majors you can have in a season before mm-hmm. suspensions kick in, that's really reduced the amount of fighting and really taken it to the skill aspects of the game. And that's only great for the fans. And you look at how skilled the players are, that has jumped up as well. People used to wonder, well, you know, guys are coming up through these systems in minor hockey and they're not being allowed to use their creativity. I think we're seeing more creativity in the game than we've ever seen before. Yeah, and is that where those development years come into play pretty big? Uh, obviously, Knights fans, they're used to winning, right? You know, uh, been to OHL finals, Mem Cups, you know, all those uh, big events. But uh, there are years where you guys will not move on from the first round uh is it three, four years ago, swept by Owen Sound? Um, how much do those years um, mean to teams and mean to fan bases? You know, like the Knights still are, you know, they're still teenagers. So how much does that go into the preparation and leading up to those uh, OHL championships and Memorial Cups? Well, I think a lot of it goes back, and you make a great point, to the idea that you can't just step on to any playing surface or you can't just step into any job and win instantly. You have to go through a hard road. And you can go back, to maybe the best example of it is the Edmonton Oilers when they played the New York Islanders in 1983 in the Stanley Cup final. And the Islanders ended up winning. The Islanders won their fourth straight Stanley Cup. And just the way the building worked, as the Oilers were leaving, they had to file past the Islanders' dressing room. And a lot of the players tell the story that they expected to hear a, you know, a whole lot of celebrating. The Islanders just won their fourth straight Stanley Cup. And they walked by the room, and you look in, and the guys had ice packs on, and they were in cold tubs. And sure, there may have been the odd cigar, but <laughs> these guys paid the price to win, and they were beaten to a pulp in order to do it. And that's when Edmonton realized, okay, now we've seen what it takes. And a lot of times if you're going out and you're getting swept in the first round, that's not a bad thing because you've been there, you've seen what it's like. Even if you come so close to winning and you don't win, you're going to take great knowledge back to whatever it is that you're doing that, hey, if I made it through that, I can make it through a lot of things. And here's what we need to do differently so that we're the guys jumping around at the end of the game next year. Sticking with the youth and the London Knights, um, when the Knights, I believe, had a great draft this year, getting guys like Isaiah George, Frank Nazar in the fourth and fifth rounds, um, in your opinion, who is the guy that the Knights drafted who no one's really talked about but could really be a key for OHL fans and London Knight fans to really take a notice of? Well, I mean, that's, that's tough. I'm not a guy who sees a lot of minor midget because I'm watching – you know, a lot of what's going on in, in yeah, the OHL yeah. and beyond. So I haven't really seen any of the guys, so I don't know if it's too fair for me to even throw out a name. But, you know, you've got some good pedigree. You've got sons of National Hockey Leaguers and OHLers. And you have to just trust in the scouting staff that the Knights have because that's kind of where this goes back to. Everybody always wonders about, well, how do they stay as successful as they yeah. do? How do you maintain consistency? Because that is so hard. And that's kind of where it begins. It begins with that, that word hard. I don't think you'll find anybody who will outwork Mark and Dale Hunter and their staff, where if you want the blueprint to what they've done to be successful, they'll show it to you. They have no problem. 
You want to ask them a question? They will answer it for you. And it just comes down to being able to execute and, and the staff being able to find those players. And then they get into the hands of the coaching staff and the Knights develop those players. And as much as you'd like to think, well, there's got to be a magic potion in there somewhere. They're, they're eating Fruit Loops every morning or there's something. There isn't. It just really comes down to being able to identify character, talent, and then being able to develop that talent and get them to play within the system that the Knights have laid out. And it has been a recipe for pretty consistent success. But every once in a while, when you don't have that success, it actually works into your favor. And they make it work into their favor because you see, okay, well, this is what we were doing. This is where it fell short. And here's where we can get to next year. So it kind of works out that way as well. Is that kind of the same situation as uh, Brett Brochu this year? I know we had him on last week's show, and you know we talked about uh, his offseason heading into this past season and how much work he had put in. And obviously London had a, a pretty experienced goalie coming back, Jordan Coy, NHL drafted by the Golden Knights. Uh, then you trade him away, get an OA in, uh, in Miskew. Uh, is that kind of the same situation where you see a young guy come in and under the Hunter system he works his butt off and eventually works his way into the starting job and works his way to uh, to a London Knights record with the most wins by a rookie goalie. Yeah, not bad. I mean, Brett Brochu's season was a lot of fun, and as much as we're not going to remember back to the end of any 2019-2020 seasons for any teams, we're going to remember the individual stories, and yeah. Brett Brochu will certainly be one of those stories. And, you know, it's it's so strange in goaltending. Sometimes you can take a guy high in the draft and he works out fine, and other times he won't, and then you'll get guys who just seem to come out of nowhere. And if you look at some of the memorable goalies that the Knights have had, Steve Mason was playing Junior C, much like Brett Brochu. Mason was playing with the Grimsby Peach Kings, and Brochu was playing with the Dresden Junior Kings. Something about Kings. And then you go back through a few other things. Tyler Parsons, who led the Knights to the 2016 Memorial Cup Championship, he was undrafted. And Michael Hauser was another guy who was undrafted. And, you know, you, you go back to the story of Michael Hauser, and here's a perfect example. Tyler Parsons, very similar sort of thing, where they were playing for a, a U.S. team that maybe wasn't very high profile. Mark Hunter got wind that, hey, there's a goalie that maybe you should go and see. And he went and saw Michael Hauser and he was losing game 6-1. His team was giving up 49 shots a game, but it would be 6-1. There'd be three minutes left, and Hauser was trying to stop everything. Parsons was the Compete same level. thing, trying to stop everything. Tyler Parsons played roller hockey for a long time before he even switched to the ice. So he was kind of you know, late in development, but at the same time had that mentality where you didn't want to let anything in, and Bro Shoe has that where he does not want to be scored on. Dale Hunter talks about playing with Patrick Waugh. In practice, if you got a third rebound on Patrick Waugh, and this is in the NHL when he's playing in Colorado, he's already won Stanley Cups, he's more than proven himself, he was not going to let you score. He was going to do whatever he could to stop that third rebound in practice. And that's the mentality you want to have. And I think that's something we'll see with Brett Brochu going forward. That, that only gets better. Yeah, that, and also adding Tyler Parsons, that year, the year after the Mem Cup, when they uh, lost to Erie in seven games, that was probably the best goaltending performance you'll ever see in OHL history. Yeah, even though they were defeated, Tyler Parsons, like, 60 saves shutout there in game one, I believe. Like, that's incredible. 
Yeah, and against a team that would go on to win the OHL championship and came within one shot of winning the Memorial Cup. I mean, that Erie team was loaded, and they were outstanding, and they had that experience of not winning, and now they knew what it was they wanted to do in order to win. And now Tyler Parsons, is uh, he's a special player, and you know it's difficult to see or difficult for players sometimes to appreciate how difficult it is to kind of make that next jump and how long it might take. And fans will look and say, well, yeah, what what happened to Connor Parsons? He's not in the NHL yet. And I wouldn't give up on it because he's somebody who he's in the Flames organization. They've allowed him to go and play in the ECHL, which now has become a route that works for a lot of goalies. Um, and now hopefully he, uh, he can continue his ascent and kind of get that shot in the National Hockey League because, boy, is he a talented player. Speaking of the ECHL, um, Marcus Phillips coming from the ECHL to London, do you think that's a new thing for overagers? Because I think it's a great thing for their development. If you're not playing, if you don't get the big role, coming back to the junior is not a bad thing at all. Do you think that's a new thing that you could see possibly next year and years to come? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think you have to have the right player to do it. And it's happened in recent years a couple of times with the Knights. One was Zach Bell in yeah. 2014. And unfortunately, Zach Bell broke his leg early on in the playoffs. And that that really hurt because he was that kind of big brother figure for the London Knights, exactly how Marcus Phillips was. You know, you talk about players who you will remember Marcus Phillips was not a London Knight very long, but you will remember him for who he was. He was absolutely a big brother kind of guy who could come in and say, Hey, I've seen things at the American league. I've seen things in the ECHL. I'll let you know what it's like. And it's, uh, it's one thing to, to kind of have guys envision what the next level's like and how quickly they're going to make it to the NHL to be able to talk to a guy who is still on that ride, but decided to come back to junior. I mean, you wouldn't think that you would do that once you left, but you're right. It can be a great piece of development. And he took that in stride. I mean, Marcus Phillips is, is just so astute in what he understands about the game. And one of the first things he said in arriving in London was, look, there are 17 defensemen with the LA Kings under contract. And he said, I can do the math. And he had the opportunity and still had some eligibility left in junior. Why not? Why not come back and try and win a second straight OHL championship? And that's kind of the path that the Knights wanted to be on. And, and he was a big piece of that. Yeah. Do you feel like Ryan Merkley was kind of not the, obviously not the same situation. He didn't come from a professional team. Uh, and it, in my opinion, it didn't really seem like Guelph was too interested in him. It didn't seem like Peterborough was too interested in him. And talking with Brett Brochu last week seemed like a exactly like Phillips, a, you know, a big brother in the room just to let everyone know, you know, what it takes to be a first-round pick. So what do you feel like he added to the room uh, with the experience he had had? Well, just that. And you know what? I really hope that people do remember Ryan Merkley as a member of the London Knights because – there were a lot of question marks about Ryan Merkley and about his character. And he, you know, going into his draft, they were wondering whether he would fall to the second round because of things like that. And, you know, you have to understand Ryan Merkley's a dynamite guy and will do anything for his teammates. And 
I remember talking to somebody who said that they asked him about that, and, and they asked him, what's one thing that you wish people knew about you? And Ryan Merkley's answer was that my teammates like me, you know, point blank. Yeah. And Merkley is just a phenomenal talent. But off the ice, he is a great guy. As he was traded to the Knights, there was a text that came in on my phone, and it was Larry Mallott who does play-by-play for the Guelph Storm. Mm-hmm. And he said, don't listen to anything you may have heard. You're getting a great one. And he was exactly right. And then yeah. you look at what he does on the ice. Dylan Hunter put it into perspective perfectly. He's a, an assistant coach with the London Knights. And he was talking about Merkley on the power play. And he said, you know, we watch him in practice, in games, and you realize that we were too hard on our penalty killers because when they were facing Ryan Merkley when he was on the other side, you'd think, come on, like, wait, why aren't you seeing what he's doing? He, he was going why can't you stop him? <laughs> and then you realize, no, you, you really can't. You can't stop him. And so he said, we were probably too hard on our penalty killers thinking they could have done more against him because he opens up so many options. And I hope he has a brilliant National Hockey League career because the things he can do open up so many opportunities, open up so many chances. And we talked about that creativity and how high it is right now in the game of hockey. He's a guy that brings that creativity to a whole new level, especially on the man advantage. Yeah, kind of like a Victor Mate back there. Oh, wild. Another good skater. Um, Speaking of the acquisitions, Jason Wilms, great face-off man. How big was the Wilms acquisition for the Knights? Because in my opinion – he was huge for them, like winning big draws. It took the pressure off guys like McMichael to win those draws when Wilms could go out there as well. Yeah, he was. And if you look at the additions that the Knights made this year, it really was adding on those leadership type guys, the guys that have been around a long time. And, you know, Jason Wilms was another one of those players where he was hungry to win the championship. And he was great in the face-off circle. The Knights do uh, you know, a lot of good things on face-offs. If you look at the numbers this year, Nathan Dunkley was number one yeah, in the face-off percentage for guys over 500 draws. And then Jason Wilms and Billy Moskal were right up there. Matt Vaguskov was right up there. And the way the game is played and the skill level that exists, if you have the puck, you've got a great chance to create things and and keep that puck. It's hard to get it away. You know, the one thing that's been amazing about junior hockey and maybe entertaining about junior hockey is the fact that guys will make mistakes. In the NHL, if you find the hockey boring or or slow sometimes, it's usually because they're not making a lot of mistakes. The guys are too good. In junior hockey, unpredictable things will happen that you then have to react to. But if you have possession of that puck, anymore we're seeing the skill level raised in junior and so it is harder to get things away so having it off the face-off that's key and and Wilms was a guy who just added to that for the London Knights. With Knights play-by-play man Mike Stubbs. Uh, Mike before we let you go uh, we just mentioned a few uh, acquisitions for the Knights and um, before this, uh, before the season was stopped and eventually uh, canceled, how did you feel about the Knights' chances in the playoffs? You know, you had Peterborough, Ottawa in the East, so you wouldn't see either of them until uh, until the OHL finals if they had gotten there. But uh, you know, Flint they had a great season. Kitchener was surprising to me. Uh, Saginaw. Uh, so, how did you feel about the Knights going up against uh, those Western Conference powerhouses, and uh, um, how far do you think they would have ended up? 
Well, I mean, it's it's a tough call until you put it out there on the ice. There are times sometimes when you think, yeah, this isn't working. You go back to 2016, the Knights were down 2-1 to the Owen Sound attack in the first round, and then Owen Sound won one more game in that series to tighten things up, and, and then the Knights didn't lose again. But to say it would happen that way, you'd never guess it. The Knights were down 2-1 to Saginaw in 2012, and you thought, okay, well, young team, this is okay. You know, they'll, they'll get some experience. They'll come back next year. Next thing you know, they knock off the Niagara Ice Dogs. The Knights had a team that could compete with anybody. And in big games, this is usually what you look for in the latter half of the year. In big games, whether it was against Ottawa or one of the games against Guelph or a game against Kitchener, the Knights seemed to find another level. And so I think you would have seen that in the playoffs. And they're as well-prepared as anybody for any opponent. So they would have had every chance, but Saginaw was good. Flint could have gotten hot or stayed hot. Ottawa was kind of the team on the other side that may have had an easier road except for Peterborough. They hadn't done very well against Peterborough, so who knows? Yeah. might have been a, a Peterborough Peaks team that made it through to the finals. But, uh, no, it, it, it was a, a, a roster that certainly had the ingredients of a championship team. And whether you get there, sometimes you do, sometimes you don't, but the ingredients were certainly there. So I think they had a, a chance at a really long run, and uh, who knows? I mean, nobody got to Kelowna this year, and, and we'll see if Kelowna hosts a Memorial Cup in the future, and that could be three years down the line. Mm-hmm. So maybe the teams that were in vying to get there this year will have themselves in a position to get there the next time. Yeah, quick uh, last question here. We always ask our player guests this, any advice to the younger players? How about any advice to young broadcasters? I want to get into radio broadcasting, get into commentating games. Any advice for them? Absolutely. Ask somebody to job shadow them. And that's it doesn't matter whether it's a young broadcaster or whether you want to be an accountant or whether you want to be you know, a, a guy who is an acupuncturist or whatever. It doesn't matter. Whatever you want to do, don't be afraid to give somebody a call and say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm really interested in this. Can you help me out? Because all of us have been in that position at some point. And the hardest thing to do, and this kind of goes back to having Marcus Phillips on the team or a player that has played some professional hockey coming back and being in the room with a bunch of major junior guys, you don't know what it's like and you may not like it. (laughs) You might think (laughs) this this must be what it's like. And then you get there and you think this really, this is what you do. This hurry up and wait stuff that we're how often you do this hurry up and wait and (laughs) outside a dressing room. I don't think I could do this. So the best thing that you could do is, is just get in touch with somebody and say, hey, you mind if I ask you some questions or is there any way I can come and watch what you do? I rarely, you know, usually only due to scheduling, would ever turn that down because I had a lot of breaks in what I've done in growing up and I've had a lot of people help me. And if I can help anybody, yeah, I, uh, I will be the first in line to do it. What's your top story you have? Just one, your top story that we'll have you on later on in the summer. Just one story. One story. Okay. Yeah. Do you want the, <laughs> the seven people who for seven seconds thought the Knights lost the Memorial yes. Cup in 2016? Ooh. Yes. Yes. All right. There's a few from that. So, yeah, we'll have to do this later in the summer. But if you want yeah. a quick one. Yeah, all right, quick one. Seven people who thought that the London Knights lost the Memorial Cup. This is, this is a true story. 
So if you picture the final for the Memorial Cup, the Knights are taking on the Rouen Aranda Huskies in Red Deer, and Rob Wilson is their video coach, and Joey Poljanowski is at that point a member of their hockey staff. He's now with the Arizona Coyotes. So it's not just players who go from the London Knights to the National Hockey League. And they happen to be down watching the game on a TV screen because they were cutting video that the team would use during the game. And so it goes into overtime. And in overtime, all of the guys who were not dressed for the London Knights and all of the players who were not dressed for the Rouen Aranda Huskies went into their dressing rooms because it used to be, and you can think back to the Calgary Flames, if you want to look back at 1989 or the Montreal Canadiens in 1993, you would have players who were not dressed come out in sweats. And it, it just it wasn't as fun. Yeah. You were in shoes yeah. and you weren't in your skates. So now everybody puts on their uniform, and then you can go out and kind of jump on the pile if your team wins. So the Knights had five players who were not dressed but were with the team who went and put on their equipment. And they were gathered around this TV with Rob Wilson and Joey Poljanowski. So I'm trying to think of if I can remember all of them. Evan Bouchard was there. Yeah, it's quite the list. Matt Nin was there. Alex Formanton was there. Um, Emmanuel Vela, who was the third goalie on that trip. And there's one more guy. Oh, uh, Cole Sherwood. So those are the five. So oh, yeah. Solid list there. They're crowded around. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're talking NHLers all over the yeah. place. Yeah. Um, they're around the TV. And if you go back to the Memorial Cup final mm-hmm. and you look at the way that things played out, the goal was yeah. scored at, I think it was 749 of the overtime period. So with, uh, you know, at, at the 740 mark, the puck is just coming through center ice. And I think it was Gabriel Fontaine of Rouen Aranda dumped it into the London zone. The puck goes into the left corner. So the TV is on a seven-second delay. Yeah. So yeah. as the puck is dumped into the left corner, it's about seven minutes and 41 seconds in as it rolls around almost behind the net and Ole Olevi of the Knights bats at it. All of a sudden, above them in the stands, the seven guys watching the screen hear this enormous cheer. In other (laughs) words, somebody has scored, and they're watching on the screen as the puck is in the London night zone, and they're thinking, no way. Because they're thinking seven seven seconds, you know, the goal is going to go in any second here. And then as you watch it play out, Ole Olevi had batted that puck. Aiden Jamison picks it up. He turns. He skates to the blue line. He pivots to his left. He sends a pass ahead to Matthew Kachuk. He cuts in and shoots and scores. And all of that happened in a span of seven seconds. That's incredible. They thought that the Knights had lost the Memorial Cup. And then they watched as Matthew Kachuk made his way up the ice and scored. And then they ran out and got in on the celebration. <laughs> that's unreal. That's awesome. Yeah, that's probably the best story we've had told. We've had a couple yeah. told. That might be the best one. That's unreal. Oh, yeah, that's top. Yeah, that's Oh, uh, there's a lot more. Yeah. Ask me sometime about the 95-96 nights, too, when they won three out of 66 games. We could tell stories on a podcast for hours on that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, that's yeah, incredible. so that was awesome. Thanks a lot, Yeah, Mike. thanks, Mike. Appreciate that. Okay, anytime, guys. That was Mike Stubbs, the voice of the London Knights on AM 980. Of course, you can catch him 
most places you the, can get your Knights information. The ultimate professional, Mike yep. Stubbs. I mean, the guy you put him on Knights TV too. Yeah. Oh, for sure. The guy's the ultimate professional. Like when you look at a broadcaster, yeah, he's got a great voice and conducts himself greatly. I think he, like he's probably one of the top broadcasters in the OHL for sure, and probably top CHL number one. Yeah, probably I'm top at number one. Like me too. Probably the top CHL broadcaster as well. He's up there. Yeah, that's he's the only, I haven't listened to like any yeah other league broadcasts. I've heard a couple like because I think in the dub, it's mostly like Erie Saginaw and Flint where it's a live stream and they have the mm-hmm. radio yeah. going. Like I think that's what it is. Whereas the Q is kind of a little bit of both. Some yeah. teams have TV, some teams don't. Oh yeah, and by the way, speaking of the dub, shout out to the Seattle Thunderbirds for airing their. Uh championship game six championship game in the western hockey league final in 2017 on youtube that's beautiful because you can't eat then you can watch it anywhere right yeah like it's tough like i don't know that tv yeah yeah it was their tv broadcast like to me yeah, i guess seattle because that's why yeah. i wanted the knights to do because i don't have like i don't have rogers tv right i have the ohl live package so that's where i can watch it but i can't watch like the replays of like the mem cup runs from teams yeah and that's which weird. i would watch where if they put it on youtube yeah anyone can watch it and they'd get more views yeah that's weird because previous years where i've just gotten uh ohl live password just because like being part of the ice dogs we had to watch away games and mm-hmm. um you know i had the chance to get one of the codes i watched a game during the it was during the playoffs when they got eliminated by Hamilton. So in eighteen, I watched back one of the regular season games uh, on the way to Hamilton. Just obviously it's a half an hour, so I didn't get much in, but yeah. still I wanted to get something like you know watch a previous game between Hamilton. It was there, yeah. Maybe because you know but the season was, was still going season, on. Yeah, and it was the season. You can't still. watch like multiple years ago, right? That's the no, thing. yeah. Where if it was on YouTube, you can watch it. Maybe that shout and out again, to Seattle that, for that. That yeah, that, that that's me clutch. Up. I wanted to make sure. Yeah, I wanted to make sure hockey. I shouted that out. And clutch for the uh, OHL for putting game like um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, retro, retro. I guess you could say retro. They're showing some recent games, but uh, on YouTube as well. So Show the was, Red Wings winning, and I will watch. Did you say that series is on YouTube? You've watched it two or three times already. Yeah, I watched the 08 run. Yeah, I'm not watching the 09 run. Now I'm good. Stalled. Yep. Um, Lidstrom shoot it on the ice. Jeez. Yeah, but I think if he shoots, shouldn't far, be in the hall yeah, of it. No, I think if he shoots cross crease, <laughs> Thomas Holmstrom tips that in that. Oh. But I mean, there was enough time, right? When you're actually on the ice, shoulda, woulda, coulda. All the OGs the were the 96. By it's the Nick way, Lid- it's Nick Lidstrom. That's all you're thinking, right? Yeah. I know. Yeah, 96. We're 14. Nah, I'm good. Hey, come on. I mean, Luke Evangelista wears 14, right? Oh yeah. So I know. There you go. Um, yeah, so time for a break, uh, probably over an hour. I don't know. I'm not going to add it up as we <laughs> record, but, uh, you'll find out as you're listening to Great it, show. uh, after the break, we're going to get into our, uh, debate about, uh, whether or not, if the OHL, uh, doesn't happen to come back in September, what European hockey could look like, uh, come the new season. Also our all name bracket. And there's one more thing we wanted to get to name bracket. I know you mentioned something. I can't remember quite what uh, what we you had traffic said. already. I gotta write this down. I know. I gotta write stuff down. Yeah. Like, I gotta stop typing. Yeah. Anyways, we'll try and think of it during this break. Uh, we'll be right back here on the Owen Sixty Podcast. This is the Owen Sixty. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Owen Sixty Pod for all the latest updates and news from around the OHL. 
Welcome back to the Owen 60 podcast along with Colin Ward. I'm Reese Dumaney. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram, as you just heard, at the Owen 60 podcast. We've got our Twitter polls, all name bracket, and uh, as much content as we can get uh, on those social media platforms. And we also remembered what we wanted to talk about. We've got, uh, to round out the show, we've got the all name bracket to go last. We've got uh, <laughs> the European hockey situation. We've got... And this is the two things we couldn't remember. Draft lottery that angered us. I'm, yeah, we're not happy about this. Yep. I feel like the big man that runs the NHL does not like my team, but I'm not going to say that up here because I'm not going to. I mean, I'll, we'll get into that. Yeah, I have another yeah. opinion about that. But anyways, I'm not a fan of the lottery. Um, yeah, but another one we forgot about was the uh, announce. well... Not announcement. It happened, you know, a few weeks ago. Um, but the Kitchener Rangers are changing COOs. Uh, Joe Birch is coming in as the uh, new COO of the Kitchener Rangers. But I uh, wanted to mention this because this this was big for uh, Kitchener Ranger fans and city of Kitchener. OHL and, fans in general. Yeah. yeah because there was a lot of times. Bigger. I have a story about that. Well, we'll get to it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, by the way, the... Um, the man leaving uh, the COO job in Kitchener is Steve Biankowski. Again, apologize if that is wrong, but um, he is—he um, had stepped down or retired as chief who's, operating officer of the Rangers and who's governor. Done, who's done a lot of major things for that franchise, but a big story around that is that people might not know when the Kitchener Rangers renovated the odd, they never—he never took one dollar out of the taxpayer's money, out of the city of Kitchener. It was him personally in their franchise and whatever he has, they're the ones that renovated the odd, which is probably the biggest accomplishment he's had in his career. He's done a lot of great things. But to renovate the odd, which neither renovation, we're not saying it's still, the press box is a tough view, but it's pretty Yeah, I mean, you get your steps in. Let's yeah. just say that. If yeah, you're walking he, up to the press, and there is an elevator, it just doesn't go right up top, as far as I know. Yeah, we don't and, really take it anyways. We just take the stairs. Yeah, the one time I was there, well, where the visiting bus goes in, it's pointless to go around to the other side and take the elevator. It's, you might as well just come out from where the Zamboni comes out, walk around the boards, yeah. and just walk up. It's a lot easier. Yeah. Even though it's stairs, but you know. Oh well. Um, and those stairs remind me of the Joe. They're small. Yeah. You know, they're not that too big. Where reminds you of the Joe ten a beers, on top you of it. will fall, and I yeah, will laugh you'll, you'll because be it would be funny. <laughs> That's what we look for in the press box. And then box. I call an ambulance. That's what we look for in the press box. I know. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, more on Steve here. By the way, fun fact: he was part of the Kitchener Rangers' first OHL championship team and yeah. Memorial Cup championship team. Yeah, so uh, back in 1980-81. Sorry to make you feel old, Steve, but that's a huge accomplishment. So, yeah, uh, congrats on that. Uh, a couple other things to mention. Um, he also went to Wilfrid Laurier University and was a member of the school's first OUA championship, and he was an All-Canadian that year as well. That's pretty cool. So uh, lots of uh, success in his hockey career, and he's also got the Order of St. John from the Governor General of Canada for his volunteer work with St. John Ambulance. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, so uh, congrats, Steve, on uh, what you've done with the Rangers, what you've done uh, as a player, an executive, uh, 
Um, great job. And I know Joe Birch will try his best to uh, fill your shoes. So that's one topic we've gotten off. Next, uh, where are we going here? Go the European. Okay. Because the lottery thing's going to take me the longest rank. Yeah. Okay. So we'll try and go through this in the next three, four minutes. So the idea of the, and we talked about this a few shows ago, of the QMJHL reports coming from there that they might not even start until January. And if more than likely the OHL and WHL will follow suit, obviously they're all in the CHL. Um, So if that happens, where do players go? Because if the NHL starts when it said they were going to start, the playoffs would not end until, what do you say, middle September, beginning of October. Yeah, where I believe there shouldn't even be a yeah, playoff. There shouldn't right be. I think they should just call it. I agree. Anyway, so that would mean the draft would probably not be until the middle of October. Yeah, which is bizarre. Do players from the CHL... Go to Europe, like Austin Matthews. It's hard to say because if they're not starting till September, or if they're not ending till September, October, yeah, the OHL will probably start. No, it's going to be confusing when there's NHL when there's playoff NHL hockey mm-hmm. going on, and then the OHL could start. The only yeah, I mean, because the OHL start, starts what the third week of weekend of yeah, September, third. so the playoffs could be over. But I think there's too many ties between the CHL and NHL where the you know yeah. they might have a board of governors meeting and say well, like you know how we said about Phil Tom- Tomasino yeah oh yeah like we said about that right but if they go to Europe Tomasino how are they get could back? Be, think Tomasino could be an option for Nashville like Robertson is for the Leafs for sure for sure think that I think Tom- I think Tomasino would give a bigger impact to Nashville yep. than Robertson will for the Leafs I agree I yeah. I honestly think that the Leafs bringing Robertson up. They got to play him. If they don't play him, mm-hmm. what's the point? Yeah. I mean, it's not like he's losing games, right? Because the AHL is not playing. The OHL is not playing. So it's not like he's losing games, but it would yeah. be nice to have him play. You can see whatever, you can, everyone can say whatever they want from watching the game in the press box. Mm-hmm. It's not the same as being actually down on the ice. Yep. It's not. No. You get to watch and stuff, but that's not you making plays, right? That's not you out there controlling the game yeah. and what you do. Yeah. So that to me, I think that. He's got to play, but Tomasino for sure will have a bigger impact on the Preds. Liam Foody as well will have a bigger impact Columbus. on Columbus. Over yeah, Robinson. but I don't think he's in the situation where, like, I don't know. If there's emergency, rule where he, though. Yeah, but, I well, think, and that's where Robertson, that's got to be an emergency. I think they... Ex- like, they haven't called it an emergency call-up. No, but it has to be. because Maybe I when th- they start playing, they will. I, well, they're going to expand the roster. They have to. Because if someone gets hurt, if yeah, someone gets I mean, hurt on your current roster in the NHL, yeah. what do you do? Right, you can't call anyone up without yeah. playing anywhere. So I feel like the safest thing is to call, expand the rosters by five. Then you can call up a third goalie. Yep. Call up a, a couple defensemen and a couple forwards. Yeah, yeah. two, two, and one. Yeah, that's yeah. all you need. Yeah. And that way you get your prospects playing games as well, and they get a taste. Yeah. Well, of the league. well, and that's where the Europe factor comes in, and anyone under contract. So like. Anyone that played in the AHL this year, so for Detroit, save like Valeno or Cider. S- Cider might be different because he's from Germany. He's from Europe. Yeah, they can pl- um, you play. You know, same there. situation, I guess, with the lockout. Right, they're under contract. They went mm-hmm. and played in the, all the Europe leagues. Like 
Do the NHL clubs want them though? Is that because in Europe, if there's a guarantee they can come back crowds. on time, if they can come back on time, right? Yeah. And, they, and honestly, right now with this COVID nineteen going on, I wouldn't feel comfortable sending one of my North American players over there. Yeah, it like Alexis it, Lafreniere rumors about going over there. If I'm so Detroit, Ottawa. Detroit, Ottawa, L.A. Any team in the lottery. Any team um, that has a first overall pick. So let's say yeah. Detroit. You're Steve Eiserman. And Alexa, and you draft Alexis Lafreniere. Do you send him over to Europe? To play pro, right? Yeah. Not European junior? Yeah. European pro. Yeah. Or do you keep him here until you get back on the ice? Because I keep him, I don't take the I don't take the chances of sending my first overall pick after we sucked this year. Yeah, not over. tanked. No, they didn't tank. Detroit did not tank. They sucked. They were bad. You Pretty have, bad. Like Buffalo, have, they have, sucked too. Yeah, you have Larkin, Pertuzzi, Manfa. Ottawa sucked. L.A. sucked. Like, are you really gonna play Val Filpula out there against guys like Sidney Crosby or ooh, Patrice Bergeron? Ugh. That was her. That was her center. That was her center. He was the one taking the draws against them. Yeah, but he was good at draws. I know, but I that, didn't mind that. Yeah, but is it was he going yeah, to be able to keep up with those his guys? Pass he's first mentality. He's not even close to a guy like Patrice Bergeron. No, he be is, I never said he was. I know, I know. But like, he maybe was in two thousand eight and nine and nah, ten. I don't know because that was his prime. Yeah, but I don't know if he if he that. had a prime. Yeah, but, I don't know. He's been a guy that's been pretty consistent. Yeah, exactly. But like, I think that. That's like it's got. We had one of the worst defensive cores too, but mm, I think yeah. that that does not match up against Patrice Bergeron. And it doesn't. That, no, we play them a lot. Not a chance. We play Tampa Bay a lot. Yeah, he sh- he's on the line against Kucherovs, the Stamkoses. Yeah, is that gonna? Do we have the advantage there? No, not a chance. That's right. In Florida, three we years don't. maybe. Florida, no. With Huberto and the I mean, Markov, no. doesn't matter if we're good or not. Can't seem to beat Florida in Florida, anyways. Yeah, we never do. So Tampa Bay too. Yeah, like, true. The man. only teams but Tampa's decent. The only teams that Detroit matched up against this year was Montreal because Larkin. Boston. Just, they matched up against Boston. Yeah, they won the season yeah, series. To be honest, though. <laughs> to be honest, though. Lark- what up, Dave Ward? <laughs> uh oh, you'll get chirped on Twitter. But I'm just saying, like. I I don't know like I think because well, and, we skated okay, Larkin, let me, let me Larkin bring, skated Boston and Montreal into the ground this yeah. year too. But Montreal, so Montreal, yeah. Sorry, Montreal. <laughs> hey, I want a picture of Zadina scoring that goal. I know. So Cockney do I. In the background there. Um, okay, but let me bring up this point. So we watched uh, Iserman's uh, postseason, not postseason, but season-ending press conference. Jeff Blaschel had a season-ending conference. Uh, Luke Lundenning, uh, Dylan Larkin, and this is we're. Saying Detroit Great just because drop on Dylan Larkin. that was awesome. It was USA jersey and one of his midget jerseys. Yeah. I couldn't tell which one his second one was. But anyways, um, I mean, we a lot of Buffalo questions were brought week, up about because Abdulkader, Glenn Denning, Larkin, though all three guys from Michigan, they should all from have this- within two hours of Detroit. Yeah. When does the Belfort Training Center open? And I think if you can get practice facilities open, not in the hubs, mm-hmm. like not in the hubs where the NHL teams are playing, if you can get your own in-city practice facilities up and running with ice, you know, workout Buffalo, equipment, whatever. And I feel like Buffalo, the Harbor Center, the Belfort, the Belfort's going to be in before the NHL, this NHL 2014 yep. playoff starts. So yeah, like, is do you send them there instead of Europe just to train? For sure. But for sure. then again, that's not games. 
Yeah, but I keep them there. I keep them there. I keep them together. Plus, if you can have your prospects there, right? You could uh, you can invite. So you could technically do a, like a mock prospect inter tournament, inter squad yeah. game, yeah. prospect like, inter squad. You yep. see it all the time: football, baseball. Yeah, you love inter squad games. So well, when, I think, when pitchers are coming off injuries, they pitch in live simulated, simulated games. games. Yeah, yeah. So I think that would be incredible. Yeah. I think I don't send Lafreniere. Maybe the only one in the top four that could do that is Tim Stutzel because he's a yeah, European born. Yep. But even that, you'd want him to come over and get used to the ice surface because he's been playing in yeah. Germany his whole career. He hasn't been over That's here true. yet. So I don't agree with sending guys over just because if you don't feel them, if you don't feel comfortable in your own country, why would you send yeah. them over to another country? Well, and that's wasting 28 days of that player's life. That's right. 14 days quarantine yeah, there, there 14 and, player or 14 days when they come back. And they're coming back, yeah. So I yep. I keep them here. Yep. Cuz plus whoever we draft is not going to be an American. Detroit is not going to be drafting a US born no. player. No. It's going to be Canadian or a German. So so that leads us into the uh, draft lottery. the draft lottery situation, which is dumb. They shouldn't even do one because it's not fair. They <laughs> should do one with seven teams. Yeah, but then not playing losers. Yeah, Montreal. If you if you're from eight to fifteen, you're in the best spot in the league. You're in the best spot in the league. Mm -hmm. If you're not. Not one team should have voted for this uh, format. Not one team. Two didn't. I think it is terrible, the teams that did. Carolina, I Tampa didn't. Yeah, and I feel like the teams that d were out of it just voted just because to get hockey back, yeah. left them tire themselves yeah. out for next year. Yeah, I got that vibe that, from Blaschel. Yeah, because that's going to – that is a big thing too. Like, Ottawa is going to have two top prospects on their team next year, plus you hear Melnick say six guys are going to make their team. Yeah, well, that's incredible. That's Eugene so Melnick. they're going to be a fresh, yeah, for sure. Build an <laughs> arena. You're gonna, you're gonna build. You are going to build a team that's young, and they're going to be in good shape. They're not banged up. When you're playing a team like Boston, who won the President's Cup, probably the top Stanley Cup contender right now. I think they are. So Vegas odds, yeah. So you you play them. The second week of the season next year, whenever we resume, Ottawa versus Boston. Boston's okay. had two months off, if that. Yep. Ottawa has had however long. Probably six or seven. Yeah. Yeah. Who's already played three games. Let's, uh, three games. So it's the second week of the season. Okay. So they've okay. already played two or three games. Yep. I give Ottawa the advantage in those games. Any team that was finished out of it that's playing a playoff contender, I give the non-playoff team, so the lottery teams right now, bottom seven, yeah, the advantage over them. And the Buffalo Sabres, if they get Marco Rossi, could have the biggest turnaround year they've ever had. They could. If they play their cards right, that is. Well, I mean. Where it might be tough, but. Jason Botterill, you know, <laughs> you might see him in the Niagara press box at BCAP, you never know, so. Hey, shout out. Um, yeah, I mean, where I'm coming from, so let's say Toronto. And you know our thoughts on the Leafs and um, where they sit on our favorite teams list. Uh, they're not on it. Um, why do they deserve to be in the lottery if they lose? And that's another thing. Why? They, they don't. They don't. Are they not considering the, like, I don't know. I, think I didn't understand be, I think that whole previous. announcement about it's that. It's previous, I think. So it's not. I don't so think they don't be. count that as but a Montreal, Stanley Cup playoff berth. But Montreal could. If Montreal, let's say Montreal loses to Pittsburgh. They're matched up against Pittsburgh. Okay. 
Montreal would have the eighth best odds to win the draft lottery. And you see they'd that be the, the lowest seed, right? Yeah. And Losing. If, and if that happens, you are going to see a lot of fan bases stop watching. Not stop, but lose interest in the National Hockey League. Right. Because the biggest thing with the draft lottery now, with this new draft lottery, is it's not creating parity in the league at all. It's not. In teams like New Jersey, I feel like where they've won it twice there like that. Yeah, Edmonton. They don't, well, they, yeah, Edmonton they don't deserve that. They don't deserve to get it back. You yeah. get your one shot, you're done. If Edmonton loses and they get the first pick, yeah, that's another thing. Fans aren't going to like that. That so would be stop awful watching. for the league. A lot of yeah. So I think there shouldn't even be one this year. There should not have been a lottery this there year. There should be for the top seven. Really, I don't. That's it. I don't think so. I do because football, old system, top fo- seven. Yeah, old system. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, not new system. Yeah, Are you kidding me? Si- How can yeah, you have eighteen point five percent chance to get the first overall pick against yeah. six other teams? I'm just telling. I'm just saying right now, if Detroit does not win the draft lottery, if they pick fourth overall, they will have the same year next year. They will be bad. They'll have a thirty point season again. Yep. And. Mr. Batman? Think, think Lafreniere or Stutzel would have that big of an impact? They'd have an impact. They would have an impact. Yeah, because but it where would drive, you get, say, five more wins? Yeah, but it would drive a, te- a guy like Valeno to make the team if Lafreniere does because okay. of chemistry at the World Juniors, and Dale Hunter put yep. them together right away at the Summer Showcase. Mm-hmm. There's chemistry. Well, that's Tim, another story Tim Stutzel, ask, uh, Mo Sider, Philip, uh, no, Philip, Philip Zadina. Zadina. Philip Heronik. <laughs> I was going to say, that's another story to ask uh, Mike Stubbs, see if Dale Hunter brought any stories back from uh, from Juniors. Yeah, World Juniors, that'd yeah. be cool. Yeah, well, um, but yeah, I mean, there's a there's a trickle down effect when, when it. I think, I don't know, the Ottawa Senators having two picks in the top five bugs me. Yeah, but potentially San Jose top don't five. Suck. San Jose don't suck. I guarantee, and that's another thing. San Jose didn't tank. Eric Carlson, Brent Burns, Joe Thornton, Logan Couture. That's not a tank, Martin Jones. Yeah, that's not a tank. Yeah, that's that's true. just not they just being played good. Bad. Yeah, I mean that's kind of tanking, but yeah, but it, there there's tanking and there isn't tanking. Yeah, but that Pacific Division's hard. Yeah, it's become hard. What Calgary Buffalo, and Edmonton and Vancouver are relevant. What now. the Buffalo Sabers did in the McDavid draft was tanking. Why they got Eichel? Yeah, how's that tanking? That was, it was tanking. How there was, there was games where their goalies weren't even playing. They called up a guy from the ECHL. So I mean, there's time. Like to me, you know that what? Was In all honesty, because they knew they were getting a top two pick. Yeah, but I think they screwed themselves a draft. Was a draft later? McDavid fifteen. Yeah, I think 16. they screwed themselves the next year. Matthews in their own building. Ma- Matthews line. Yeah, they. Yeah, but instead of taking, I, I don't know. I don't. I can't remember what the draft was like that year. But I think Rasmussen was Detroit. I think that was that year. Anyways, yeah, middle stat. I think that's they, middle stat because they took Alexander Nylander yeah. in the first round. Wow, that worked out, didn't it? Yeah, that was rough. I mean, yeah, that, I think that's where they screwed Buffalo, themselves. Buffalo isn't a good drafting team. They're not a good pretty drafting bad, eh? Team. Yeah, they're not good at drafting. Yeah, much, I mean, to be honest, I think that Skinner trade was actually decent. I think they got. I didn't think they gave away that much for no, Jeff they Skinner. Didn't. Montour trade wasn't bad. Jeff either. Skinner was a f- seventh or eighth overall pick by Carolina. Yeah, so. Yeah, Montour I mean, trade wasn't that bad either. No, I like Ooh. Brandon Montour. Yeah. Play bottom 4D. Yeah. And solid. He's your third or fourth guy. Yeah. When you're in Getty, he's your fourth guy. Yeah. Six Nations guy, too. Yeah. Just outside of Brantford. 
That's what I mean. I've played hockey with them, actually. Oh. Uh, story time with Reese, by the way, before we break yeah. and go to the all-name bracket. We're already way over, but oh, oh well. We're in overtime because oh, Mike Stubbs is awesome. We're almost going to the shootout. Um, so, yeah, story time with Reese. So it's myself, uh, my buddy Ben, and my brother. So we rent ice, whatever. We, we didn't care how many people were with us. We just liked, you know, renting ice together. It was just mm-hmm. a thing. So my brother was in net, and me and Ben just had skates, stick, gloves, whatever. And uh, it's nearing, we're about 15 minutes left in our ice time, and these two guys show up on our bench. And we're like, who the heck are these guys? And they come on, and they're like, hey, guys, do you mind if we come on and shoot some pucks around? And like, I don't not play a game, but, like, you know, pass around stuff. And mm-hmm. we're like, yeah, no problem. And I look at the one guy's pants. Anaheim? Anaheim Ducks pants. I'm like, yo, this guy's got Ducks pants. Did he just, like, buy them off a Henry, website or something? Henrique or Montour? Yeah. No, Henrique wasn't with them then. That was before that trade. Um, and he goes, no, I'm pretty sure they don't sell those. And I'm like, this guy played for the Ducks? You we had him? no idea who it was. Yeah, did you ask him? No, we didn't ask him. We felt like that'd be awkward if we didn't know who he was. But anyway, so and then the other guy had a San Jose helmet, so we're like, "Is it Couture? Are we playing? With, no, no, no. Couture's local. Is he St. Thomas? I believe. Oh no, it wasn't. It was. Yeah, he wouldn't be from St. Thomas. It was Brandon's cousin, I think. Oh, that's cool. just AH. Like he never. I don't think he played maybe like less than ten games in the NHL or yeah. whatever. So, anyways, they're coming on. They're shooting the pucks at a hundred miles an hour, and I'm like. Your brother and that? Who are they? No, no, they didn't shoot on him. <laughs> they did not shoot on him. Okay, okay, okay. He didn't go in the net. <laughs> That's better. <laughs> um, so we're so good. So we get off the ice, whatever, good change, come home. Um, we look him up. And we figure out it's Brandon Montour. We're like, why didn't we stay on longer? And why didn't we have, t- like, talked? Like, we talked, but we never really talked about hockey or any, like, you know, yeah, never got into should, detail. You had the opportunity. I'm like, definitely. crap, that's awesome. Like, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a nice story to say I've been on the same Shady ice as Brandon Montour. Yeah, but, cool. um, yeah, I don't know. That was that was fun. But anyways, um, yeah, that, uh, that was story time with Reese for that's today. That's a good story. Yeah. That might be your top story. We've had a lot of top stories today. I know. This is fun. I know. Good driving record today. That was yeah. good. I mean, Getting good lobster show. tonight. It's good. Yeah. I got a response though. There is steak. It's leftover from three days ago. <laughs> wow, though, you're getting steak. What a day. Yeah, I know. It's good. Surfing turf type yeah. night for you. All right. Time for one more quick break on the other side. Round three of our all-name bracket kicks off. The final six. We're in the we're in the west this week still, right? Now we're in the east. Okay. There's no, we're starting round three. Oh, yeah, blonde whole moment. new round, man. Blonde moment. Yo, I literally said that. No, that's like me. That's five me. seconds ago. I'm chirping myself. Man. That's a blonde moment. Holy. Yeah, I know. I'm chirping you too. Yeah, I know. Am I having a blonde moment right now? Mike Stubbs would chirp you too. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> oh, oh, all right. Yeah, time for a break. All name bracket on the other side here on the Own 60 podcast. This is the Owen 60. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Owen 60 pod for all the latest updates and news from around the OHL. Welcome back to the Owen 60 podcast. I'm Reese Dumaney with Colin Ward. And as we finish off every show, or as we've been finishing off every show for the last two months, two months? Quick, uh, week. 
quick this is base, week 10? Two quick and a half. baseball fact. Uh, okay. Some batting cages are, uh, you can resume on uh, May 31st Ooh. as of May 31st. So, some batting cages. Yeah, I still baseball. think there will be a season, but. No, no, I changed. I got my umpire certification uh, this Maybe? past week. boy. If there's no, Got 100% yeah. on the exam. Really? Yeah, what do you need to get? Is there a certain, like. Yeah, it's like 80. 80? Yeah. yeah. It's not that hard. 25 questions. All multiple choice. It's pretty easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, easy. It's pretty easy. It's um, like the coaching, man. The initial yeah. coaching things like that too, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. I don't think they keep the mark. I don't think the mark matters in your coaching. I don't think it does. Hey, that's the only flaw with all the coaching things. Like you, you automatically should have pass. To. You show up. You then. should have to. There's yeah. a lot of coaches that do not know what they're doing. There's a lot. I should know. Trust me. I'm yeah. an umpire. Hey, I know. You too. Oh, I know too. There's a lot. <laughs> lot players don't know either. I don't want to get in trouble, but there's a no. lot that don't know what hey, they're doing. I remember, I remember one call from OBAs two years ago. Walker Home Sites. They're not a team anymore. I, they switched some to trouble, some though. new name. Is that Wellington? That was that Wellington. I can't remember who they are now. I don't know. We played them in yeah. OBAs. We beat them pretty good. Yeah. Anyways, they had their coach got ejected twice. One OBA weekend. Um, they had three or four players ejected that weekend as well. I had one of them, which was awesome. I called the guy out because he's trying to steal. He goes, that's bleeping bleep bleep. What age group? Midget. Okay. And I'm like, okay, bye. You're done. See yeah, ya. if you get cursed out three times, like you got to toss yeah. him. The second time you got to toss him, I yeah. think. First time you might I was go walking in one away. ear like, out I was the going other. Depends, depends on who you are, right? The yeah. first one might go in one ear out the other. The second one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we were, third, you're we were, gone. Yeah, we were working a three-man system, so I'm on my way back to third base, and he yells, and I'm like, "All right, see ya. Enjoy, enjoy the drive home. Have a good one." Uh, they oh. won, by the way, and went to the finals and lost. Good. Uh, <laughs> good. I'm glad. Um, but yeah, so they're trying to intentionally walk a guy. Pitcher doesn't come set. Nah, that's a balk. Walk. What? <laughs> I'm intentionally walking him. You're not set. You still have to come you see that set. All the time. You see that all the time. You don't just throw I it. I do. No. No. But no, the, the rules just go out the window. The sky's red. Jeez. Do you Use your head. It's embarrassing. Just walking them. Just lob it. It's embarrassing how many people don't know the rules. But anyways, that's all umpiring is, pretty much. If anyone, like, oh, like, do you need to know positioning? Yeah, you do. But if you know the rules, you're fine. Yeah. Like, you can be a rules guy and be okay. Yeah, it's tough. Um, anyways, to our name bracket, which we were supposed <laughs> to do. Quick off-topic you know, thing about baseball. Colin brought up baseball, so we had <laughs> to talk quick, about hey, it. Insider. Got a oh couple of in, inside information there. Yeah, it's true. Nothing to do with the league, but we got inside yeah. information. Oh, well. Hopefully soon. Yeah. Uh, so our Week 10 matchup, the first matchup of Round 3. We start in the East after getting the bye in Round 2. Niagara's Giancarlo Shanton. We'll take on Hamilton's Navrin Mutter, who defeated oh, the slugger. Uh, Joe Ranger. Yeah, Ranger, because you're upset in about round that. round two. I was angry. <laughs> Mutter's not bad, but I was angry. Yeah, um, Mutter's streak is ending today. Though. Yeah, you got Shanton? Yeah, the slugger. So, so am the I. Slug, the Swiss slugger yeah. is continuing. I mean, doesn't help. He's with Niagara. People might think I'm a homer, but, you know. Whatever. Yeah, but you've had people from Niagara calling you out. Yeah, I'm angry. What yeah. did I do to you? I don't know. You had a big impact there. I know. You're like John Tavares going back to the island. I started Dogs TV. That was me. You're like John Tavares then going back to the island. Oh. oh. <laughs> Throwing a snake at you in a press box. I know. Box. I'll show up in the press box. I'd sign Buddy that's been back. chirping me. I'll start booing. I'll be like, hey, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> what's going on? The salute. I'll go in my ice dogs gear. <laughs> Maybe that'll convince <laughs> them. 
Um, anyway, so yeah, that is our week 10 matchup. You can go to our Instagram at the Owen 60 podcast. It will be on our story. It's Giancarlo Shanton versus Hamilton's Navrin Mutter. Yeah, probably Wednesday. So tomorrow morning it will be out. Yeah. Afternoon, morning. Yeah. yeah. Around so 11, 12. You can have your say. And by the way, we totally forgot Uh-oh. about this. We have a Facebook account now. Yes, sir. Yeah, I forgot we just, about we forgot that. to say that too about the iHeartRadio we I did said, last we week. It. Yeah, we said it last yeah, week. Yeah, last week. Yeah, we're on Facebook now, so check us out there. We'll yeah. follow our show around and yep. yeah, just to make it more dynamic. Like make it more saying, available. More dyna- yeah, more available. Yep. We are on four or five For platforms. all different age groups. SoundCloud, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio. <laughs> we need a map. I can't remember where else we are. <laughs> uh, Spotify, SoundCloud, yeah, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple, yep, Google, uh, iHeart. I forgot Spotify. Five. Yeah, five. that was brutal. Yep, oh, well. five. Fun right. show today. Fun yeah, that show was today. fun. Got my rant. In. Yeah. Good uh, story time with Mike. Great interview with Mike. Yeah, thanks again, Mike. Uh, really appreciate you coming on. A pro of um, pros, right there. I feel smarter coming out there. Oh yeah, we learned. We learned a lot from him there. Yeah. Yeah, I like so. the advice thing too. I know his advice is unreal. Yeah, like anyone that like is looking He's to get right. in. Yeah, anyone that's looking to get into broadcasting or radio, or it doesn't even matter if it's sports radio. Yep. Like, don't be afraid to message guys. Like, mm-hmm. message who you look up to, message them, and ask them what they're doing. Because I guarantee you, like, they have someone, social media someone, for a reason. If someone asked us to like sit in on our show, I'd gladly let them come That'd in be cool. sit in on our show. Yeah. yeah. Anyone that wants to come in. On the show when this, Pop when this COVID's done, yeah, yeah, right. Chirp me a little bit. I mean, it's <laughs> fine. You're gonna get it back, but yeah, that's true. Preferably a Wings fan. Yeah, have some fun. Yeah, but yeah, I take that advice and uh, yeah, I have Ted Lehman to thank for that. That's pretty much what I did for the last four years. Was just yeah. stand next to him in the press box. Well, yeah, and that's booth, where you whatever. learn though, and that's where you learn your stuff. Yep. Like he, last year, he's here. the one that convinced me to go to Niagara. Like, oh, he's like, you should come. Well, actually, he's the one that messaged me about the internship opportunity too. So I'm like, oh, yeah, like so. Lot like last year here at 11:50, we learned a lot. Like in the morning yep. show, like, Martian Mellow. Yeah, it was yeah, a good that time. was a fun time. Tim Hortons runs. I don't know, I know what we I, learned I, at Tim Hortons, but I mean, <laughs> during the show, going to Tim Hortons, I, the baseball segment. That was that's what so I wanted to bet fun. you. I have that. You should have. I do too. If you want it, I oh, have, you have it. Okay. You should have bet. You know what? We should have did that bet because I think the Tigers won that game. I remember saying, "Do you want to drop?" Yeah, you they bet? did. And the I Tigers won because I remember it was. Vladdy should we play Spr- this segment it, on one of our episodes? We <laughs> should be like our baseball segment sponsored by us. Yeah. Then Marsh comes in. Baseball's fixed. Baseball's fixed. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be right back. Here's Alexis Viger. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Yeah. And uh, also a uh, quick thing. Uh, shout out to Tucker Tynan. Uh, yeah. Congra- Dang, we forgot. One. Hopefully, well, we had uh, a lot to talk about this. Hopefully, week, so. uh, yeah, just back on recovery. the ice when the ice opens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's he got nice. his equipment sent to him, and that's nice to see. Courtesy of Pure Later. There's the insider. Yeah. Tucker Tynan can be back skating when when the starting job in. again. Yeah. So that's to me, I think it's his to lose. But oh, for sure, he was great last year for them. Him and Rosin's rig, it should be. Yeah, like Osborne, Spralia, McLean. That's a lot of goalies. They're gonna have a fun camp. Yeah, I feel we'll like we'll be there. I feel like one. I, I feel like they're not going in with five goalies. No way. There, there will be a trade or we'll someone will get the, cut. We'll talk about that soon too. We'll have to go. We'll have to do a show where we go through each team's roster in the division and think how much is going to change next season. That'd be a fun show. That would be. maybe next week. 
maybe next week, but I kind of want to keep the streak going. Yeah, we'll have to. Twitter we're working profile? on some things. We're waiting for responses. So yeah, let's go. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens with that. But that's it and for that's all the news. Yeah. Make sure this is correct. Hang on, mm. hang on, hang on. We're uh, getting to the end of the show of week 24. I wasn't sure if it was 23 or 24. I'm bad with numbers. Anyways. Oh, settle down. We should do that each time. All right, that's it for us. We'll chat next week. Oh, yeah. Hey, now. Play the Wings song.